welcome to Herd Art Materials. I'm Faye. Hi. And I'm Rachel. Hello. This is a podcast where we're reading through and discussing Philip Pullman's His Dark Materials novels, a chapter at a time, spoiler free. In this episode, we are talking about chapter 13 of The Amber Spyglass, Tialis and Salmakia, or Tally and Sally. <laughs> nice. It's weird because like we spent like three weeks together and now I haven't seen you in like a week and a bit. Another yeah, a week and a two half. weeks. It feels like longer. It does. It feels like so long. Oh my god. So for anybody on ten to her <laughs> that does not follow us on social media after the drama that was oh. two weeks ago, God, we did make it to America and we had a blast. <laughs> we did. It was so good. We got negative PCR tests and we danced around in the hotel lobby at the airport and then we got on a plane. I, honestly, getting that negative PCR test probably one of the fucking happiest moments of my life. <laughs> Same. You know what? Yeah. So happy. And then we drank too much beer before we had to get up stupidly early to get a flight to Dublin. But it's fine. It's good. It was it was good. Yeah, we had it was such a good time. I'm like really like sad to be home because basically we bookended our holiday uh, with like two positive COVID tests in the sense that Rachel's housemate got COVID before we went away and then my housemate got COVID when we were due to come back. So I literally came back from America, had one night in my own bed, packed up my shit again and went back to my parents for for the week. And I, I lived out of a suitcase for like three weeks and honestly, I was so happy to be back in my own bed. I, but also I'm like, hmm, I'm used to having so many people around me and now I'm just on my own and I'm like, this I don't like it. <laughs> No, it's all right. I'll see you tomorrow or Saturday. That's true. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. But yeah, we had a great time. Yeah, we did. And patrons should keep their ears out for some bonus content because we did record some audio in a Redwood Forest while we felt like Mary Malone. And I have yet to send you that audio face so <laughs> you can listen to it. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Uh, that'll be good. And also, we have yet to edit the pictures where we recreated you being teenage me in the in the I'm so good at it. It's actually a vibe and I'm tempted to just live my life that way from now on. It was so great. Honestly, I can't wait for you all to see these pictures. We'll pop them. We'll pop them on social media for everyone. I don't want to... I was going to say let's just do it for patrons, but I feel like the world should see them. <laughs> I mean, yeah, of course. <laughs> but yeah, I just had the best time ever. It was so good. We got to live our like nerdy podcast fan life when we went to the Buffering the Vampire Slayer prom at Sunnydale High School, which was just ridiculous. I say Torrance High School, which is actually Sunnydale High School because that's where they filmed Buffy. So I, I don't know, kind of kill me now. I've had like the best nerdiest moment of my entire life. I think the only thing that could beat it is when we inevitably go to a certain spoiler-filled bench. Yes, for sure. <laughs> you know? Yeah, no, for sure. But yeah, I do feel like my nerddom peaked uh, as soon as I stepped onto the steps at Sunnydale High School. I was like, okay, yeah, this is it. I don't think my life is ever going to get as nerdy as this moment right now. It was just so great. It was very surreal, but really, really amazing and fun. And yeah, it was just fucking great. And also, I didn't drive us off a cliff. 
You didn't. And also on the plane home, you watched Thelma and Louise. So now you get all the references. Yes. So on the trip, <laughs> honestly, everyone that we met called us Thelma and Louise because I was driving us down the Pacific Coast Highway. And I was like, ah, well, and like, I knew the basic story of Thelma and Louise. But then on the plane on the way home, we put a little earphone each and pressed play at the same time and watched it together on the flight from hell, may I add. Oh God, it was awful. But I mean, I guess this is her Dark Materials podcast. Hi, I'm Thelma. <laughs> I'm Louise. <laughs> Wait, which one's which? Because we were like pointing at each other on the, on the plane because like, which who's Susan Sarandon? Because she was the one that packed all her stuff really like nicely in a suitcase. Okay, so that is Louise. So, but Louise packs things neatly, but then she's also competent and drives, which means <laughs> that it can't be me. <laughs> I think we're both a bit of both, to be honest. Yeah. And then, yeah, Thelma has curly hair and like cries. So, you know. <laughs> that me <laughs> yeah but also me <laughs> i don't have curly hair though sadly if you want to stalk our holidays you can go onto both of our social media and look at our highlights because we've definitely spammed everybody while we've been away we definitely do and now we are back and it's, it is nice to be back i have post-holiday blues but it's really nice to be back <laughs> you know what's really nice is being back recording the podcast in like the usual setup right <laughs> For sure, yeah. I did enjoy sitting on your floor. Yeah, it was fun. (laughs) It was fun. Yeah. It was very much like a blast from the past, but like... I'm looking forward to editing this one because it's so much nicer. Just just for the audio nerds, uh, it's so much nicer we can separate everyone out onto their own tracks. (laughs) I will say from doing the Paramore pod, it is much easier to edit one track uh, because you're not like... It's quicker, at least, but with two tracks, it's nicer. Everyone's like, what? (laughs) Stop talking about audio. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we're experts on this now because we have been podcasting for... Uh, I I need to work these things out before I start saying them with my mouth. (laughs) October 2019. So like... It'll be three years in October. (gasps) Oh my God. Jesus Christ. So one of our lovely, wonderful listeners, who is one of our patrons on the Discord, super lovely. Uh, she came all the way over from Sweden uh, with a plan for just hanging out in London and having a jam-packed weekend full of watching musicals, which is brilliant. But they took the time out of their day to organise a little mini London Dusties meetup. And so I popped over to the pub to meet them all for a little walk. And yeah, I, it was really lovely to meet all of you. There is probably only about five of us, but it was really lovely to kind of meet some listeners in person and has definitely put the spark in me to want to organise something a little bit more official down the line when we have the energy and when the weather is nice because uh, the vibe of just like walking through the park with a bunch of dusties was really lovely. (laughs) I am so good that I missed it. This is when I had to go back to my parents because of the COVID situation in my flat. So I missed it and I was really looking forward to it and I was fucking good that I didn't get to meet everyone. Um, so yeah, I will 100% be at the next one. Of course I will. Why wouldn't I be? But it's just crazy to me to think that if you think back to like when we started the podcast and we were like, do you think anyone will listen? And now we've got people that actually want to meet up because of something that we've made. It's really amazing. It's great. Yeah, no, it was it was really, really lovely meeting people. It's definitely, you know what? It was really lovely to meet a small group of dedicated dusties as like, my first like icebreaker as being a person who people have listened to but not seen a lot of (laughs) showing up and being like hello I hope I'm not a massive disappointment (laughs) 
which is basically how I live my life, actually. Just hello, hope That's I'm not a massive I disappointment. That's introduce myself. <laughs> Hi, I'm Rachel. I hope it's not a massive disappointment. Oh, God. But, yeah. It's a strange dynamic, yeah. for sure. Like, but, yeah. you know, people are nice, so it's all it's all good. But yeah, I would love to do something. But I just want to do more, like, now that I'm back, I want to do more with the podcast. We've got so much thing, like, so many things floating around our heads that we've not been able to do because we work and blah, 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 and all that shit. And it's like, oh, I want to do more. You know what? I am absolutely banking on the sunshine, giving me more energy through th- photosynthesis. I know I'm not a plant, but I'm so sure the sun makes a difference because like, I never have any energy in the winter. The moment it goes dark, I'm like, I'm done. Yeah, same. So if the sunshine does not make me want to go and do all the fun extra stuff I've been thinking about doing, then I will punch the sun in the face. <laughs> If it does not give me the energy I want, I will find it and punch it. Hey, Faye. Oh, hi. Hey, what would your demon have been this last few weeks? You're going to love this. You're going to love it, Rich. I really hope I am. Yeah, you are. I am going, my demon is going to be a chipmunk. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> a nice one i hope <laughs> i knew you that reaction was perfect so <laughs> i'll tell you why it's going to be a chipmunk and then i'll tell you why rich is laughing so i chose a chipmunk because me and rich had a conversation yesterday where rich was like i was like moaning to rich and then rich was like do you think you've just got loads of excess energy because like we walked so much on holiday and we did so much exercise and like since we've both been back we haven't really been doing any exercise um and I was like oh maybe and then I figured like chipmunks are like always on the go you know they're like really fast and scattery and always running around so I was like if I had a chipmunk demon then I feel like they would you know help me get some of the energy out of me and the reason why Rach laughed is because <laughs> when we were away we went I can't remember what the pl- it was elephant seal it was the sa- the elephant seal beach in San Simeon that's it yeah and there's these incredible elephant seals there and they're like hideous and funny and hilarious and we were looking at them and uh <laughs> this little <laughs> do you want to tell you can tell if you want <laughs> <laughs> it was more just that I don't want you to miss out the fact that it started off with a little girl running away from a chipmunk through the car park because the chipmunk clearly is there because there's tourists and therefore snacks um, <laughs> and this little girl running away from a chipmunk and Faye clocked it I was like laughing her ass off at this child running away from a chipmunk <laughs> <laughs> it was funny in fairness <laughs> Like two minutes later, we stood there looking at the elephant seals, notice a chipmunk in the grass below. And I go, obviously, because what else do you do when you see a cute animal? I go, and I make the come here chipmunk sound. And the chipmunk (laughs) was like, oh, you've got the food, have you? And then chased us. So it's just us like purposefully trying not to look like we're running away from the chipmunk. <laughs> we were just walking with purpose away from the, this chipmunk. We're like, oh, I wonder what's at this end of the beach. I honestly, I was like, you, you twat. It was like instant karma. <laughs> I was, 
I blame you because you what a twat move. Like obviously they think that you've got food if you're going to be like, oh, come here, fucking chipmunk. And then I just had this vision that it was going to like crawl up my leg and I was like, I don't want that. I'm getting the fuck away from this chipmunk. And it just kept coming at us. It was... <laughs> And then when we were walking through the park in LA and we were seeing squirrels, you were like, don't you fucking dare, like, those squirrels. Don't you dare. Because you did it when we were in the Hollywood Forever Cemetery. Obviously, we visited a cemetery when we were away, of course. And you did it there. And that squirrel was okay. Like, I got the vibe. (laughs) He got the memo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) But I was like, stop it, bitch. (laughs) I just... I'm sorry. It's like a little Snow White complex or something. I just want animals to be my friends, okay? You don't think they're going to fucking claw your leg apart because they're going to like run you up know you? What? I would welcome it. If they <laughs> then became my best friend, I'd be fine with it. Oh my God. Just... And then I was like, let's get back in the car. I'm done. I don't want to see any more. done. <laughs> uh, anyway, what, what would your team have been? In anticipation of my parents getting a dog very, very, very soon, potentially even by the time this episode is out, I have been witnessing eight glorious collie puppies grow from being tiny little things that look like guinea pigs to like actual fluffy little puppies that are like, I just want to crush and they're so cute. Um, And yeah, mum and dad will be taking theirs home soon. And all of the other eight have been adopted. If anybody is actually interested at all in the puppy saga so i think i would have a very excited collie demon that just can't wait to like babysit a puppy when i visit home i can't wait to be a dog auntie a dog sibling if it's my parents dog does that mean that i have a new fur sibling Uh, yeah maybe yeah i don't don't know how it works if 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 the dog is their fur baby does that make it my first sibling (laughs) we'll find out Give us your opinions. Mm, mm-hmm, <laughs> for sure, for sure. It's the important questions that we ask here. I'm very excited for your parents to get a dog. Me too. Last chapter, Will Balthamos and Amma snuck into the cave to try and wake Lyra, but were caught by Mrs Coulter in the process. The CCD and King Agunway's forces arrived at the cave and a big old battle ensued. A distracted Will broke the knife while trying to get Lyra away. Tally and Sally showed up to help Will and a very tense standoff began. In this chapter, Will escapes with a finally awake Lyra followed by Tally and Sally. Will does another murder, throws up about it and has a much needed catch up with Lyra where they decide they need to go to the land of the dead. Lyra and Will persuade Tally and Sally to help them find Yorick, who Lyra discovered should be able to fix the knife. Okay, okay. I haven't forgotten about the the quote. Did I read it? I can't promise I did. <laughs> you can't promise you did. Do you want me to read it to you? Yes. Right now. Do you want to guess the picture first? I've no idea. No, I don't actually. I'd rather not. <laughs> no, I'd rather not guess. Uh, I'm trying to think what happens that is pictureable, which is another dragonfly. <laughs> No, I don't think you'll guess it. I think he's phoned it in again this week, to be honest. Is it a tree on, like, a desert? Kind of. It's the landscape of the, like, moon and the, like... Uh, Okay, you know the moon place. Yeah. Okay, do you want to read me this this quote? So, the quote is... Frowning, frowning night, o'er this desert bright, let thy moon arise while I close my eyes. Oh, it's very fitting. 
Yeah, it's very cute, isn't it? It's another classic one from our favourite spooky bitch, William Blake. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it is from the same poem as the very first chapter, uh, which was The Enchanted Sleeper, which is called The Little Girl Lost. Not to be confused with his other poem, A Little Girl Lost, or The Little Boy Lost. What? He likes his lost children. <laughs> Wait, he has one poem called The Little Girl Lost and a different poem called A Little Girl Lost. Yes. <laughs> oh my, come on, William. I think they might be in like different collections of poems, but I googled one and I was like looking at it, I was like, this plot synopsis sounds very different from this other plot synopsis that I thought was about the same poem. And then actually... No, he literally has ones that and ones ah. Come on. You could have Just thought of something better. Get some more inventive names. Uh, it is from the book of poems called Songs of Innocence and Experience, which we knew from the first time we encountered it. And it is, if you remember correctly, the first chapter was talking about how while the beasts of prey come from caverns deep, viewed the maid asleep. So it is the story of the little girl that gets... Uh, taken into a cave and like falls as- falls asleep in the wilderness and then is taken into a cave by some lions and various beasts of the wild come to find her. In my research, I've tried to understand more about the poem, but <laughs> it is still relatively floral and elusive and kind of the same as what I said in the very first time we encountered this exact same poem. So all we really need to know is that especially this book of poems is very much to do with growing through childhood and as adolescence and much as the title suggests songs of innocence and experience it is to do with those themes and this poem is linked to another poem that comes after it which is called the little girl found and the whole theme of the two poems as you put them together is like the lions that we thought maybe were a bit creepy when we first read the poem actually protect like protect her so little girl falls asleep gets lost in the wilderness is protected by a lion and a lioness comes out of the wilderness and is all right, I guess. She's all right. She's all right. But there is a sense of like her parents kind of lamenting because she lost her innocence while out there. Not in any kind of creepy way, as you might think by the term losing your innocence, but in terms of like she has literally gained experience by going out into the world and surviving and being protected by some kind of like guardian angel figures, which are the lions. But she comes back changed in that she has just learned a bit about the world which I think is a great thing if we're thinking about Lyra's journey and she's so innocent at the start she goes she does an adventure she meets some angels along the way and we can see exactly why Phil chose it for this chapter because it just talks about the moon doesn't it (laughs) we we love Phil choosing a very deep poem but picking a line that just basically has the same words as the chapter. Yeah, and somebody falling asleep as well. But it's also really nice because like, we started the book with Lyra asleep and he chose this poem and Lyra is now awake and he's chosen a different line from the same poem to like top and tail Lyra's sleep, which I think is quite cool. So we'll give him props for that. Okay, okay. Because I'm such a discerning scholar, you know? <laughs> okay, let's fucking get into it. Let's talk about this chapter. We left the last chapter on a very tense standoff. That tense standoff is very quickly concluded. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. By Will. I'm just putting it out there. He's got the gun in his hand, I think, right? And he knocks the monkey off his perch. But Will still has the gun in his hand while he knocks the monkey over. Did he pistol whip the monkey? I think he did. 
I'm like really happy about it though. Like fucking know, right? absolutely glad that LMP got absolutely shafted by a fucking gun. But also, that's a risky move considering that LMP is like gripping a tiny, tiny human, tiny human, tiny girl of espion's arms very tightly. And if the monkey flails, he could surely do some damage, which is not great. Yeah. So he does, he pistol whips LMP. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a choice. It's a choice. Okay. LMP's down. He's he's mm-hmm. let go of Pally. LMP Pally? had Sally. Uh, the lady Salmachia. Yeah. He had Sally. And Tally's got his ankle against Mrs. Coulter's neck. There we go. So she struggles free. And then Tally lets go of Mrs. Coulter and like hugs Sally. And there's a lot of like tender moments between Tally and Sally in this chapter and then I was wondering obviously tender moments can exist within friendships and other relationships but I did it did make me think are they like a couple are they involved or are they just really close I feel like it's more of like a like a partnership vibe or like in cop movies where they're very close to their partner they feel very strongly about their cop partner or whatever when you're like paired up I think the reason why it made me those bells went off in my head a little bit is because of the, all the physical touch that they talk that Phil writes in there's lots of like tender physical touch between them now I'm thinking about that episode of Brooklyn Nine-Nine where <laughs> Jake and Rosa and then there's the, the Swedish cops that oh, come in and it's Durs yeah and it's Durs and the girl from Garfunkel and Oates is it? I didn't recognise her. I just knew, oh. I knew it. Knew but yeah, it they're like, oh, we're like the best partners. He was my birthing partner when I had my babies. No, he's not the father of my babies. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. And they're just always touching each other. But they're like, no, no, it's just platonic. <laughs> yeah, maybe it's that then. Maybe That's what yeah. I was thinking. <laughs> Why not? Why not? So they have gotten free. Tally shouts to Will, you boy, have you got the knife? And Will's like, yes, I do. And I'm not going to tell you it's broken. <laughs> And obviously Mrs. Collar's seen a break, but she's too busy being like slightly stung and on the floor to like do anything. In my head, just like during this whole exchange, Mrs. Collar's just like rolling around on the floor like, ow. <laughs> yeah, literally. <laughs> like it's, I'm going to put it out there. This is one of my least favourite Coulter chapters because there's emotional moments, but I just hate to see Mrs. Coulter in this state. And we'll get there. But I also hate the language used. Yeah. Phil makes a real point of telling us that while Tally is small, he does have a grown man's voice, but just very quiet. Yeah. And smaller. But like, he's Phil is keen for us to know they are not squeaky. Yeah. <laughs> in any way. Yeah. Like, these are not comedic characters. They have grown people's voices. Because he says it later when Sally says something. It's like, she has a, a deep voice. Yeah. Like, do not make them squeaky in your head. Please do not make them squeaky. And it's like, I wasn't. But now you've said it. <laughs> yeah. Don't laugh at them, okay? They won't like it, as we learn. I mean, they definitely won't. <laughs> no. Tally and Sally are like, well, you got followers. And they're like, Will's like, okay, we will. But only because we want to go through the window. We're going to fuck mm-hmm. you off when we get to that window. And then they like hop on the dragonflies past Mrs. Coulter. She's like drowsy and stunned. This is where I'm like, she's just rolling around on the floor. <laughs> and then as like they leave, as Lyra is like walking past her, she says, Lyra, Lyra, my daughter, my dear one, Lyra, don't go, don't go. And I'm just going to skip ahead a little bit to read the, the next mm-hmm. bit that she says to Lyra, which is, Lyra, Lyra, my love, my heart's treasure, my little child, my only one. Oh, Lyra, Lyra, don't go. Don't leave me. My darling daughter, you're tearing my heart. The 
drama. The drama, but also the last bit of when I read that, it just reminded me of that NSYNC song. You're tearing up my heart when I'm with you. <laughs> <laughs> Love that song. That's exactly what Mrs. Coulter was channeling when Absolutely. she said it. <laughs> For sure. But it's just too much. I think like I this book has kind of made me realise that I think Phil is a great writer. I'm not a fan of how he writes anyone's dialogue. Like, I think that because, like, he is, you know, upper class, an upper-class white man from Oxford, that really comes through when he's writing people's dialogue, even though that's not how they speak. Like, mm-hmm. you know, we had, like, last chapter with Will said something, and we were like, Will wouldn't say that, he's a child. And, like, I don't think Mrs. Coulter would speak like this. I think that, like, the sentiment is there, and she would be like, oh, Lyra, don't go. Like, But, like, saying, like, my dear one, my heart's treasure, my only one. Like, I just, it just doesn't feel yeah. like Mrs. Coulter at all. So everybody can hear a round of applause. I started watching Bridgerton finally. Ooh, wow. <laughs> but it feels like Bridgerton dialogue. Mm. Like, my love, my dear, my, my lord. <laughs> like, it's very, it's very proper. And he does do that. He does that a lot with Lyra when she calls, like, Yorick my dear. And mm. she, Lyra does it quite a lot as well. And it is just like a something... Also, I don't feel like I see him do it a lot with male characters. I don't often find a ton of problem with their dialogue. It's trying to do the, like, emotion from female characters, perhaps, more so that I spot it. Because we notice it when Lyra's being particularly affectionate. And we've noticed it here when Mrs. Coulter. And also, in this moment, I feel that it is supposed to be at least Coulter projecting, trying to be genuine. Yeah. And not doing her, like, if she was being sickly sweet which we've seen her do and using these words, I'd be like, yeah, that's on brand for Coulter mm-hmm. to be like upper class and sickly sweet. But this isn't this. This is supposed to be a desperate mother's last attempt mm-hmm. to like get her daughter to stay with her. And even if it's not genuine, that is what Coulter is trying to yeah. project. Yeah. So like it doesn't, it doesn't, it just doesn't flow very well for me. Also, I hate to see it. I hate to see, especially... Um, Lyra looked down at her anguish, but then she stepped over her mother's body and loosened Mrs. Coulter's feeble clutch from her ankle. And it's just like, why is she going to be... I mean, she's feeble because she's just been like partially paralysed by this sting. But also like, it's such... We've just... We've just seen her last chapter with the confidence and the competence. And (laughs) now she is literally on the floor in a puddle of tears and can barely move. Like, it's it's just a real shame. (laughs) It's, it is, it is. It's a lot and I'm just, yeah, I'm not a fan. Like the dialogue thing, like we, I have noticed it a little bit in Will, like we pointed out in terms of like you were saying that like maybe it's like the female characters. Maybe it's just emotion of any of any kind mm. that like Phil kind of struggles with because like I don't notice it in like Asriel or like Charles slash Boreal or like Lee or like Yorick or anyone it's like when it's somebody that's like showing emotion but then I feel like Lee was quite good he writes it so well for like in the actions of the characters and Mm. their literal descriptions of the emotions of the characters that sometimes the words like don't quite mesh up properly because like I can see this image of Mrs Coulter crying and what she's saying but I don't think what she's saying is my love, my heart's treasure, my little child. Like, it's definitely just like, Lyra, I'm your mother. Yeah. Like, I am, don't leave me. I'm trying to, or, like, she would be saying so much more, I think. I am looking forward to Ruth Wilson doing that because you know she's going to do that. Like, do you know when she does that guttural Lyra? And I can't do an impression of it, mm-hmm. but it's like, feels like it's coming from like her actual, like, chest. 
I feel like it's gonna that's gonna it's gonna be a moment for sure. And they'll write the dialogue better. Also, I feel like she's not gonna be afraid of doing it snotty. And yes. I'm really here for when actors really go for it with yeah. the snot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know why I'm it's just like it's a real sign that's like I don't care about how how pretty I crying I am right yeah. now. It's about the emotion and like I'm really here for those moments. For sure. And Mrs. Coulter is definitely snotty in this moment. Oh yeah. She is one hundred percent for sure. Definitely has to be. Yeah. They like head out of the cave. There's like stuff's on fire now. <laughs> I've just made my, made myself laugh, and I can't. I don't know why. Where's the sticker I'm looking for? Uh, it's before um, before the second bit of Mrs. Coulter saying like Lyra, Lyra. There's a bit where it says Will looked back once, and the glare of Mrs. Coulter's face was a mask of tragic passion. And I feel like tragic passion would be like a great name for like some kind of like really cheesy like soft call like erotica porn book <laughs> i i just went straight to band name tragic I, passion is a great band name so i thought that and i obviously i originally went to band name but then i was like mm, band name no it's not sitting with me this is something more than a band name and i was like it's some kind of shit soft call porn book mm-hmm. i can see the cover yeah yeah right? <laughs> yeah sure oh or a hymn song i mean also yes yeah <laughs> I would listen to that hymn song. By the way, yes. people listening, if you don't know him or they're a great band from Finland. <laughs> Please Google it. <laughs> My sister used to be so obsessed with him. Did I tell you that her friends baked her like a cake that was a, like a gingerbread? It wasn't a cake. It was like a gingerbread house, but it was a gingerbread stadium of a hymn concert. I, and they did like a heartogram stage and like a little gingerbread man, Vili Velo, and like... I cannot. Just everything. Me and your sister would have got on so fucking well. I I just I was the same. I loved him. Nobody nobody baked me a gingerbread fucking him gig. That would have been amazing. But um but yeah, I, I they were like my one true love back when I was like thirteen, fourteen. I used to dress like Villavella. <laughs> my little bla- uh, pinstripe uh, blazer. <laughs> pinstripe blazer, fingerless <laughs> gloves, you know, the whole shebang. Yeah. I mean I was just thinking about like like a kind of off topic, but like teenage me and how if I liked a band, I would always always or like anyone really like I would always try and dress like them so like I didn't give a shit like how they identified like I went through phases of dressing like Vilvalo I went through stages of dressing like Bam Margera for like years and I feel like you could probably still describe my styles a little bit <laughs> a little bit of those things yeah and then like obviously Hayley Williams and all that kind of stuff and it's like hmm I just wanted to look like them I feel like that was my main thing I was like I just want to look like these people mm-hmm. which I think is a good vibe to carry through is in like if you want to dress dress however the fuck you want is what I'm saying is what I'm mm. trying to get to oh yeah if you see somebody style and you're like that's fucking rad I want to feel I don't want to feel as cool as that looks yeah like absolutely like yes this is coming from two people who when we were on holiday looked like a goth mum and her like teenage boy child <laughs> yes. and I will leave it up to you to guess which one of us is which <laughs> yes oh, I was so here for it though it was so great it was great. I appreciate it. Vibes. Oh, me too, for sure. <laughs> I feel like it's... I feel like people at what what pasta must must have been like, how did those two meet? <laughs> like, what's that story? <laughs> <laughs> no, they were just like they probably just walked past us and they're like, that is a couple of queers <laughs> right there. <laughs> one of them is a rainbow queer that dresses like a four year old, <laughs> and the other one is a goth reliving their like teenage fantasies. Yep. Absolutely, <laughs> like, absolutely, goth witch. <sighs> Right. Uh, yes. Brilliant. Okay. That is not what we're talking about, right? Right now, we are talking about Will and Lyra and Amma 
running towards this window. Will knows what he wants to do. He's agreed to go with Tally and Sally, but he knows that he's going to slip through this window. And then three guys block their path. Mm -hmm. Will shouts for Yorick. Yorick is clearly engaged elsewhere. Yorick's busy. Doing what he does best. Some battle. But it's okay because from nowhere, Balthamos appears and he like stuns these guys because he's like, ha ha, I'm so shiny. (laughs) (laughs) And he stops them in their tracks. And then one of their demons like snaps at him and Balthamos is like, aha, I'm very scared and flies away. Oh, I feel really sorry for him. I feel so sorry for him, especially because later like Will's embarrassed for him. Oh, yeah. It is a very comedic moment though. Like when you just picture it, but also it is when you know that like, especially if we're reading Balthamos as probably having some kind of PTSD Mm -hmm. situation as to why he does not want to engage in battle anyway. Mm -hmm. It's an immense moment of bravery from him and an understandable moment of fight or flight, definitely flight. Yeah. Like, I, also, you're. I, I'm. I'm sad that you listeners won't get to see this, but Rachel's like arm movements and stuff during out throughout this was amazing, <laughs> and it made me laugh. So I see the comedy now. <laughs> well, <laughs> good. <laughs> but yeah, I feel very bad for him. But it's fine. He disappears. He flies away, but he is seemingly uninjured. So whilst mm. potentially a little bit embarrassed, perhaps he is uninjured, which is good. Yeah. But that does mean that Will has to shoot a guy. Well decides to shoot a guy <laughs> just like this whole thing of, of just like lyra she's only just woke up and she's like what the fuck is going on here like oh my god she's still got like sleepy eyes yeah but yeah so this is the interesting thing about will killing this guy he makes obviously makes the decision a conscious decision to kill and not to just injure because he could have like shot him in the kneecap or like you know something that would have like stopped this guy or and his demon from going after will and then you know like Tally and Sally, they obviously kill the other ones, but they could have been... Nobody had to die in this situation. Oh, yeah, absolutely not. And also, like, Phil's made a point here of being like, he had no choice, he had to shoot. I'm sure he did have to shoot. He did, again, like you said, not necessarily had to aim for the the chest. My first note on this was like, is this the first person Will's ever killed? Because I know that we have decided canonically Will did not kill that man in the stairway. Mm-mm. Moxie did it. Mm-mm. Yeah. Like the cat was definitely, it was an accident. It was a manslaughter at most. Like he has been calling himself a murderer this whole time. He has not up until this point. Mm -hmm. And again, there's a lot of argument of like, oh, in the middle of like a battle, he's probably self-defense. Like it's not, again, it could be, I mean, it's definitely still murder. He shot somebody in the chest, but like the self-defense thing comes Mm -hmm. in here. But I can't remember exactly his reaction after he knocked the guy down the stairs but I do appreciate the very emotional throwing up that we get later when he realises he says it's the second person he ever killed but for me it's the first person he's killed because it's the first person he's chosen to do it to he's also blaming himself for for Tullio as well yeah which is not his fault so I wonder there's a bit of Will that we've kind of already identified that is that has a tendency towards violence and Will actively hates that part of himself mm-hmm. so i think this was that kind of reflex in a way if we want to call it that like acting up again i think if he'd have taken a second to think he would have you know like i said shot him in the leg or like done something that would have just hindered him so they could run past but yeah he made a he did he made a choice to to kill him for sure he did but also he's got a crossbow leveled at his his chest mm. is it a kill or be killed situation it's True. very hard to say it's a very messy situation that's for sure like and especially because immediately the moment he shoots the gun tally and sally spring off their dragonflies and jab the other two guys in the neck yeah definitely killing them yeah because their demons go 
So Mm -hmm. we know that they're definitely dead if their demons are gone, which then puts into our heads, "Uh uh-oh, does that mean Mrs. Colt is going to die? Because she's been poisoned a bit, at least. Yeah. Uh, I just would like to say this chapter does Amma a huge injustice. Uh, Fucking 100%. Like, literally, the next bit where they're like, oh, where's Amma? Oh, there she is running away. She'll be fine. Will she? One One of the first things that Tally says to Will is just like, Who's that girl? And Will's like, oh, she's from the village. She's like, okay, tell her to go home then. I'm just like, okay. I'm sorry, what? Uh, she's She went to all that effort to bribe that monk for that coke to wake Lyra right. up. Like, excuse me. And then, yeah, she's Will's just like, oh, where's she gone? Oh, she went the other way. She'll be fine. Is there not a massive battle raging right. around you right now? Are we just going to assume that this small girl is not going to get hit by a stray bullet or like captured by soldiers from whoever, who are by the way, on the lookout for a small girl. They don't know what Lyra looks like. Do you know what it is? And I hate to say it about Will. The confidence of men. Like, the, 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 like, the assumption that it's going to, that she'll be fine. The kind of like out of sight, out of mind vibe. And I'm not here for it. It's bullshit. It's also just like the, oh, well, now I've got what I want from her. Exactly. Does it, does it matter what she's... Well, no, well, like, she's just helped you so much. And, like, I really wanted her and Lara to be best friends. Like, yeah. I know I've read these books before. <laughs> it was a false hope. But, like, Lyra wouldn't be awake right now if mm-hmm. Emma hadn't come along. Yeah. So can we please give her more credit than her just... It's not even like Phil's been like, Emma ran away a different way through the bushes and, made, like, all this stuff happens. Mm-hmm. And then we go, oh, where's Emma gone? And we go, we don't know. She's probably fine. Like... That's not an okay enough exit for this character. No. I want like a little farewell or at least like something. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) To acknowledge her. Right. Anyway. Anyway. (laughs) They go through the window and then Will's vomiting. He's vomiting. He is vomiting. Oh, I I feel for him, but this reaction is kind of like makes a lot of sense really for me. For like this is first person he's actually made the decision. Yeah. In much more of a decisive way to to kill. But yeah, mm. poor Will. Also, just Lyra nearby, still half asleep. Like, I'm like f- sure, I'm in a moonlit desert now with my best friend vomiting on the like floor. She's just like rocking, rocking pan as well, which is very cute. Oh, yeah. This, they noticed that the spies had come through the window with them. And they look very pissed off at the children. They 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 do. They're pissed. And Lyra's got a bunch of questions. Classic Lyra. We love to see it. She might be half asleep, but she can like string together fifteen half sentences for us. Do you know that truly? Like, I fucking love this so much because I would be the exact same. I would be tell me every fucking single thing that happened. I don't just want the overview. I don't want the summary. I want everything, literally everything that happened. Tell me everything, but also let me tell you everything at the exact same time, and we'll just like. download yeah Yeah, for sure fortunately will has saved the alethiometer lyra is glad to find that out and immediately he's like okay cool we need to like work out how to fix the knife so like within no time it's i'm back we're gonna have a bit of a discussion but also read the alethiometer straight away please (laughs) kind of situation like i feel a lot for lyra like i don't think i don't think i could concentrate yeah that state of mind no i do like how it's will's first thought but what he actually says to her is, are you all right? Are you hungry or thirsty? Like, it is his first thought, but he does, like, stop himself from saying it straight away. Yeah. Which is sweet. I do like Will. I, I do have a lot of time and space for, like, Will's, like, adoration of Lyra and how, like, he 
always wants to protect her, like for right or wrong. Like she always kind of comes first for him. And I do find that very endearing. I mean, not that Lyra needs it because we know that Lyra can protect herself and stick up for herself. I think that's maybe why I like it. I think that like if Lyra was like a weaker character in like inverted commas um, and she didn't stick up for herself and all that and he was the one protecting her, I'd be like, uh, but because she can do it for herself. She can hold her own. Yeah, and now yeah. she is. She's back. I bloody well hope she's back to holding her own again because I know that she wasn't herself through the subtle knife and we had a lot of issues with that. Yeah. But like, I think she would tell him what for now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Will explains to Lyra that the knife is broken. Again, tries to blame on Coulter, but does correct himself. Yeah. He's like, true. the knife is broken. I don't know how it happened. Mrs. Coulter did something or said something. And I thought of my mother and that made the knife twist or catch or I don't know what happened. But we're stuck here till we can get it mended. And like, at least he kind of knows that it's like, whilst it was her that caused it, she may have caused his thoughts to change yeah. mid knife cut, but he knows that it's not necessarily her that did the breaking even though he wants to blame her. (laughs) Yeah. So there's an interesting bit here where um, this, there's a description about Lyra reading the alethiometer where um, it says, she had the golden instrument out in a moment and moved into the moonlight so she could see the dial clearly, looping back the hair behind her ears, just as Will had seen her mother do. I noted that as well. And I was like, Mm -hmm. interesting, because we have seen Lyra took her hair behind her ears to read the alethiometer many times before. How I would like to choose to read it so I don't have to find it annoying or gross is that that's what Will noticed in that moment, that Mrs. Coulter put her hair behind her ears and he didn't realise it until watching Lyra do it now, that what he was seeing was Lyra and Mrs. Coulter and not this being the other way around, him seeing Mrs. Coulter and Lyra right now. Yeah, I think it's just very interesting because I have definitely, as we've moved through these books, have called out numerous times when Lyra and Will interact. Phil is very keen on mentioning body parts, like uh, Lyra's noticing Will's arms or like, you know, Will's noticing something about Lyra. And it's like these very, like, innocent passages that allude to two preteens potentially having a crush on one another. But now that Phil has added the Will clearly has a crush on Mrs. Coulter vibe in there and then purposely put this in mm. about the hair is very interesting. Will's clearly just got, got a thing for the, like, for the, like, I don't know. They don't share a common surname. I was going to say for like the Coulter women, but that's not Lyra's surname, you know? Like, yeah. What's Coulter's? We don't know what Coulter's maiden name is, do we? I don't like, think maybe so. Her, like, yeah, pre-marital name. Mm. Um, otherwise, I'd go for that because at least that's, like, the correct bloodline. But, it's, yeah, because Lyra is not in any way related to Mr. Coulter, whose no. surname it is. So. Yeah. 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 But, yeah, it's very, it's, it's, uh, it's in The Marissa bloodline. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, we just need her first name. Yeah, it's intriguing. <laughs> Um, for sure. He notices when people have big C energy. <laughs> yes, that's it. That is it. He that does. is it. Yes. Uh, and Lyra, again, so this moment she loops her hair behind her ears and starts to read. I kind of like that. So this is her first reading of the alethiometer since waking up. Mm-hmm. And the fact that it doesn't come back to her straight away, like she loses yeah. focus partway through getting into the zone and then has to re-get back into it. Just the fact that she's not, like, she's back, but she's not quite up to 100% yet. Even a lithiometer reading, which is so natural to her by this point, she's having to, like, take two yeah. two runs mm-hmm. up to it to get to it. 
And, of course, the lithiometer is like, duh, remember your friend that's an amazing metal worker? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Remember Badad? Don't you love him? And Lyra's like, Badad's nearby. (laughs) Oh, it's very sweet. Do you know, I I always found, when I first read these books, the fact that Yorick could potentially fix the knife was always very much like, oh, what a fucking coincidence that, that, that there's somebody in this book that can fix a knife. And it's one of those things where it's like, obviously somebody is going to fix the knife. Like, I know it has to, like, end in that way. But, like, I part of me was just like, it's too it's too obvious. Do you know? Like, it's too easy. Like, I mean, we haven't even got to the bit where I can't... I honestly cannot remember what happens with the knife being fixed. But, like, it's just too easy that it's Yorick that can do it. I think... It would also be really annoying, though, if they spent like three books hanging out with an accomplished metal worker and didn't even ask him to try and fix the knife when it broke, you know? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. For sure. <laughs> like, For sure, yeah. I feel like if I was Yorick and they didn't ask me, I'd be like, <laughs> Thanks. am I even here? <laughs> Like Sky Iron, whatever. Who like it's not like I'm it's not like I'm king of the armored bears and therefore a skilled metalsmith. They're out obviously going to ask their friend who is definitely a metal worker to fix yes. the knife. And yeah. the I'm I'm surprised Will didn't think of that before getting Lyra to ask the alethiometer because mm. like Lyra doesn't know that Yorick's nearby. She might have yeah. th- thought of that as a suggestion. But I guess when you've got like an automatic Google machine, you're not necessarily gonna like think to think through it yourself when you can just ask for the definitely correct answer from your magic machine. So, yeah, they're going to ask Yorick. So, <laughs> Will explains to Lyra who Balthamos is and he says something interesting. He says, but I'll tell you more about him later, he said. It's so strange. He told me so many things and I think I understand them too. He ran his hands through his hair and rubbed his eyes. What do you think he means here? I have an idea. Do you think it's Balthamos explaining the meaning of love? I do. I do. <laughs> and I think that Will's looking at Lyra and he's thinking, I think I understand it. I get it. Oh. oh poor one out for Brooke. Yeah, for sure. Poor Balthamos. He's still going through it. Oh, he really is. He really is. Will tells Lyra all the things that she missed, tells her about his dad, all that, the witch killing him, all that kind of shit. Bit of exposition, if mm-hmm. we forgot, in case we forgot. And then Lyra cleans his wound puts some ointment on it she kind of goes into a bit of a i don't think mrs Coulter wanted to hurt me kind of thing which i'm like girl she literally kidnapped you and kept you in an enchanted sleep if that's not hurting you i don't know what is i think it is a classic situation of like lyra's current understanding of harm only applies to physical harm and Mm. she does not understand that she has been harmed by the like violation that was mrs coulter kidnapping her and keeping her asleep Mm. i don't think lyra understands that like she thinks of safety as safety of her physical body and not necessarily of like her mental health or any of that kind of stuff so i think it's one it's one of those things that's going to come out in therapy when she's grown up yeah for sure and she's like but i think that was nice of my mom and the therapist is going to be like oh honey no oh god oh no Uh, (laughs) that was one of the most harmful things she did to you and lyra would be like oh that explains so much yeah (laughs) that's definitely what that is is just like a very naive understanding yeah for sure for sure lyra there's like a big like shift here like lyra bit is basically like i had this dream the one that we were that we were all in 
in the italics. I, I saw my friend Roger. I really want to apologise to him. I can't do anything else until I apologise to him. We've got to go to this. We've got to go to the land of the dead. And it all happened so quickly. And I, I have a question of like, is the land of the dead something that Lyra already knew about because she names it? Or like, is she just assuming it exists because that's where she thinks that Roger was? Like, what does she think it is? And how does she know it's another world? Well, obviously they asked the alethiometer, but like, how does she know before she asked the alethiometer that it's a thing? I wonder if it's just like a turn of phrase that she generally has. I just mm. like, because it's definitely not, from having been there now, she's not definitely not thinking of it as being heaven or hell or any of those understandings of like after death realms that you might have mm. and her just understanding it's a place where the dead are so the land of the dead makes sense but like it is weird that she is names it so quickly mm. and also that she is so quickly like so obviously i feel like i have to go there to apologize to roger and it's like that seems very extreme there's something like endearing about that as well though there's something like very like i can't call lyra an innocent child anymore but like the 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 mind of an innocent child that is like i need to go and apologize to my friend in the land of the dead like and not thinking like yeah it's probably not feasible <laughs> and not needed it's probably not feasible but also like it's quite like a big mission for quite a small yeah. i mean i get it like the thing that is like apology and forgiveness and reconciliation of all that kind of stuff is will probably be like massive for her but like in terms of like ways to do that i feel mm. like i would be suggesting a seance way before i'd be suggesting a trip to the underworld yes. like yeah, yeah you know yeah, yeah for sure I saying something like I need I want I need to find a way to contact him would make more sense than he'd be like we need to go there because we need to go there is the conclusion you make when she has the realization that it's a physical place that Will could yeah. get to and ask the alethiometer that and that's the go there point so I think maybe Phil knew where he needed to get but I think Lyra suggesting going there so soon didn't make sense for me yeah I do again I'm very endeared to Will in this moment where he is just immediately like cool okay like how do we get there shall we ask the alethiometer rather than I mean maybe it would have been beneficial for for Will to be like are you sure like is there not another way we can do this but the fact that he like sent in like I read it as him like sensing how important it is to her and he's just like okay like let's just do it. Just all in. Yeah. yeah. And that's so great. Everybody needs a friend like that sometimes. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. If you're like, I need to go and do this thing. I can't really explain to you why it's important to me because I don't know. But like, can we do it? And your friend being like, uh, shit, yeah, let me. Yeah, I'll, I'll be there in five. Like, yeah, that's what you need. It's so great. Yeah. Lyra's still like unsure what's going on. She's like, oh, it's a strange place. Can we go? Can we do that? Once again, she's like well I guess if we can go there then we can rescue Roger and so now another book becomes about rescuing Roger oh Roger like I get it she feels so guilty she's like but I should never have taken him to Svalbard and it's like yeah but you literally just rescued him from Bolvanger like you've done your rescuing we've, we've been on a Roger rescue mission one time already Roger is the actual main character of these books he is. and Lyra's wondering about how they get there she's they kind of have this like slight philosophical like tangent where they're discussing like mm -hmm. how do they get there it's strange uh what part of us would go there because demons demons fade away when you die so what's going on like bodies mm -hmm. they just stay in the grave and decay don't they so there must be a third part a different part and then she's just like bless her heart she's just chatting shit because she's just like you know i think that must be true because i can think about my body and i can think about my demon so there must be another part to do the thinking 
And it's like, that doesn't make sense, Lyra, because right now you're thinking about the other part to do the thinking. So by your logic, there is a fourth part that is thinking about the third part that's doing the thinking. And now there's a fifth part that's thinking about the fourth part that's thinking about the third part. Like that logic makes no sense. But I love it. I love it because she's just like, yeah, there's got to be something else. Like, yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, Will's not born. He's like, yeah, yeah, it's a girl start. I'm like, oh, I'm sure. Do you know? Do you know this, Will? How do you know this? Sure. <laughs> Why not? Uh, yeah, and then they're like, let's go rescue Roger's ghost. Roger rescue mission number two. And then they're like, oh, I guess maybe we should talk to these two people that have just been following us around this whole time. Yeah. And turn to yeah. Tally and Sally and have an actual conversation where they're like, well, obviously we're going to go and do our plan. So we need to like get them to help us and then ditch them as soon as possible. Yeah, for sure. Do we actually, because like we'll ask them what world they're from, or Lyra asks them, sorry, what world they're from. Do we actually know what world they're from? I don't think we've been told. I think this is the first like time they've, we've we've had someone ask them in front of us and their answer's pretty freaking vague. <laughs> yeah, they're just like, ah, oh, Will's got the same problem as yours, so we're helping Asriel. And they, they say that they want to take Lyra to Asriel and Lyra's like, I don't want to go there. <laughs> I don't want to go to Asriel. And they're like, I'm sorry to hear that, but that's our orders, so come on, off we go. Yeah, and Lyra makes the mistake of laughing at them <laughs> yeah. when they say they're going to force her to do something because she finds she's, despite having literally witnessed them ground to, like literally kill two people, with very little effort and also like potentially mortally wound her mother she is like quite happy to scoff at them when they say they could stop her from doing something which is a little bit of classic lyra arrogance showing through there yeah and they immediately again very quick to be offended very quick to violence the gala vespians Mm -hmm. who just immediately threaten pan not happy about this Not happy about it all, but also not happy about Will being, again, very quick to the punch, uh, grabbing one of them. And what's the turn of phrase that I hate because of the way that Lyra is interacting with it as well is Lyra saw with a cold thrill that Will was perfectly ready to dash the Galavespian's head against the rock. And both little people knew it. Why is Lyra thrilled by that? We've had this conversation before though, right? Like she is. Like there's been times where she's seen it in Will before and she likes it. Like she's got a thrill for it. It is not okay. These kids have got a fucking thrill for violence. These kids need so much therapy. (laughs) They really do. They really fucking do. Do you know what? Um, Pan being grabbed as well made me think. Is that he doesn't speak once in this chapter. And we hear quite a lot about him, but he doesn't say anything at all. Like, he's, like, in a lot of, like, a lot of traumatic things are happening to him. But not a word from Pan. No, I feel like Pan doesn't have any other demons to talk to. So we're kind of in this weird situation where he, unless he's talking to other people, which is, like, kind of no from other books, is, like, a little bit rarer. But But he talks to Will and Lyra, though. We haven't seen him do that. True. He's busy. He's busy being a mouse and a dragonfly. (laughs) A beefy dragonfly. I hate it. Now that we know, I didn't realise when we read the first time that these dragonflies are like the size of your forearm. That is huge. Mm. That is beefy. I don't like it. I would like for them to be smaller, please. (laughs) Aren't you like bug lady? I thought you'd love it. No, no. Too big. Mm -mm. Too big. But you like those massive moths that make me want to literally kill myself. Oh, but they're pretty. (laughs) 
I have very hypocritical standards. You do. Don't we all? So moths weirdly don't freak me out because like the size of them is mostly in like wingspan, which is, you know, similar to like birds, right? Whereas like dragonflies, the wings are so small compared to the rest of the body that like the body itself, like if that's like the size, the thickness of your arm, that's like a friggin' like, oh, it's too, it's too meaty. (laughs) I don't like it. (laughs) The thing is about bugs is that... I think about how disgusting it would be to accidentally stand on them. Do you know, like, there's ma- like that's what I, that's the thing that I hate the most about them. Like, if I saw, like, if I accidentally stood on one of those giant moths, it'd be fucking vile. But also, I wouldn't want it flapping near my fucking face either. Anyway, let's not. Let's, I don't want to mm. talk about it. The bigger it is, the less likely you are to stand on it anyway. True. So, if anything, the bigger the better. But I still don't like it. Um, so. <laughs> They're in a stalemate again, basically. They're just all about stalemates. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Sally lifts her foot away and like Pan wrestles his way free and he's all like snarling at her. Still not saying anything but snarling. And she's like just stood there. I love it. I love Wildcat Pan being like, he does, it's a very catty thing to do. She's just going, you do a big, mm. you do a big hiss and you make yourself big and then you don't get the reaction you expected. So you turn into an ermine and run away. <laughs> <laughs> run back to yeah. Lyra like yeah. he stood up for himself and then he was like that didn't work bye <laughs> it's like a little Balthamos moment <laughs> yeah yeah it is actually isn't it and Sally's just like yeah okay I'm not I'm not scared of this shit Tally says to Lyra you should show some respect you are a thoughtless insolent child and several brave men have died this evening in order to make you safe you do better to act politely and I really hate it that Lyra says, yes, she said humbly, I'm sorry, I will, honest. That's not Lyra. Why is she reacting like that? I much prefer Will's reaction, which is like, fuck you, don't you dare fucking speak to me like that. I love it. Will, as for me, I'm not going to be spoken to like that, so don't try. Respect goes two ways. Now, listen carefully. You're not in charge here. We are. If you want to stay and help, then you do as we say. Otherwise, go back to Lord Asriel now. There's no arguing about it. Yes, Will, yes. Yeah, I'm not here for adults telling children to be respectful. Like, I get it. Like, But I do believe that Will was correct. Respect is a two-way street. And if you're having that conversation, it's not you are a child and grown-ups have, like, done this and that for you. It's I will be respectful to you if you will be respectful to me. Thank you very much. (laughs) Yeah, and that reaction from Lyra just wasn't Lyra. And, you know, I just want her to get back to... You know, because she would have said, like, she probably wouldn't have put it arti- as articulately as Will just did, because Will is very articulate. But she would have said the same thing, just worded differently, if she, like... She wouldn't, she wouldn't. I don't know, because she's done this quite... She has kind of reacted in this way a fair amount. Like, it is a trend for Lyra that she does something that's a bit bullshit, a bit arrogant, and somebody, probably a grown-up, calls her out on it, and she goes, oh, yes, I'm very sorry. Like, I feel like it has happened before. Mm, yeah yeah maybe you're right when it has happened before we didn't love to see it i think it's she's grown up for too long being told off by old white men yeah yeah in the uh in jordan college and that's mm-hmm. probably her reaction of like yes i will be very good and then she climbs up on the roof and like throws like um plum stones at them or whatever it was <laughs> yeah i'm hoping it's disingenuous that's basically what i'm saying mm. I'm hoping that she doesn't mean it <laughs> Yeah, they're like respect. They're like respect. Well, like he's the, or as it's worded, he's stronger than them because he has the knife. So they're just like, okay, we'll do whatever you want to do. They say they'll help, but 
they've got to tell them what they're planning on doing. Like they want to be like in the know. I struggle with this a little bit because I was like, oh, I... I've got the knife. They can't know it's broken because the knife is the power. But then also when he's like, I'm going to go off and chat to Lyra and they're like, oh, but you could cut away with the knife. He's like, okay, well, I'll leave it on this rock. Well, if him having the knife is what gives him the upper hand, why is he leaving it unattended? Uh, yeah, it's very strange, isn't it? Like, it's very That's weird. a logic that is not um, a thing that makes sense to me. No, I agree. I agree. Lyra asks about the poison mm-hmm. to Mrs. Coulter. And they say that like, oh, because we only we only give her a small little job. She'll just be like drowsy for like a day and a half. But they don't tell her that mm-hmm. she'll be in horrendous pain with it as well. Poor Mrs. Coulter. <laughs> Maybe that explains the way that she was kind of doing the like babbling a little bit. Like we didn't like her speech. Yeah. Maybe it's because she was trying to like say things that she thought would be endearing while in terrible pain. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this is when they leave the knife. They decide they can trust Tally and Sally, so they go to sleep. Like, Will goes to sleep first. And I fucking love how highly Lyra thinks of herself. Like, this bit made me laugh so much. Lyra sat down beside him with pantomime and cat formed and warm in her lap. How lucky Will was that she was awake now to look after him. <laughs> Incredible. Incredible. I fucking love that. That confidence. The confidence is there. He was truly fearless and she admired that beyond measure. But he wasn't good at lying and betraying and cheating, which came, which all came to her as naturally as breathing. When she thought of that, she felt warm and virtuous because she did it all for Will and never for herself. <laughs> oh my God. Excuse me, love. How do you think he's been getting along while you've been asleep? Like, yeah. oh, I'm the one that's good at lying and cheating. And Like, we have established that Will is like, he channeled his inner Lyra from time to time while she was gone. Like, he, he didn't, he wasn't completely useless without her. She's like, I admire him for his bravery, but clearly he needs me a lot. <laughs> like, no, oh, Lyra. Yeah. Also, her being like, how lucky he is for that she was awake to look after him and then she immediately falls asleep. <laughs> Great job of guarding him there, Lyra. Great job. She's not had enough sleep, apparently. Um, I feel really bad for her for that, though, because it's like, oh, good for you that you've been asleep for like two weeks and you're still tired. Yeah, for sure. And yeah, that's it. That's the end. The end of the chapter. Yes. What did we think? I'm glad to have Lyra back. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of action happening Mm -hmm. that like I I like, but I don't like I want to see like more of Will and Lyra together now that they're back together. I don't know like it wasn't my like favorite chapter but I didn't hate it you know like I, I'm just like oh yeah that was a chapter and it was fine and like I'm glad to have Lyra back but I'm like now itching to have more of Lyra being like back to herself. Yeah I feel like it was a chapter of like resolving one situation and deciding where to go next without any major like things happening it was like res- resolving and decision making were the themes of this chapter <laughs> um, and that's yeah. kind of it, really, which is, it's fine. It worked quite well. Like, it's nice to have had a bit more of, like, Tally and Sally's personalities. I'm sad to have had such a shit goodbye to Amma, who deserved better. It's nice to have Lyra back and to have Pan back and to have just, like, just the element of Pan being there and changing shape and, like, enjoying life is just really nice to have back because the only shape changer we've had while Pan's been gone has been Balthamus and he's just not been having a great time of it. So, no. Definitely not. Hopefully yeah. they find Yorick and Balthamos soon. Yeah. Yeah, I hope so. Do you do you have an award to give out? I feel like a broken record, but it's for Amma because she was done an injustice with that goodbye and she deserved better. And so 
I'm giving her her like grand farewell award that she should have got for all the help that she did and then was dismissed so cruelly. (laughs) She deserves it for sure. Absolutely. Who's yours for? Uh, Mine's for Pam. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because we've not seen him in ages and he didn't get to speak even though he had quite a he had quite a fun chapter because he was like flying around changing but then he had very traumatic. Oh nearly, yeah. nearly got stabbed and we didn't even hear him speak once. So I was like, yeah, mine's for Pam. Nice. Oh, isn't it nice to have Pam back though? It really is. It is. So nice. What is, what's the next chapter called? The next chapter is called Know What It Is. That's a really strange chapter name actually, isn't it? Yeah. We don't know what it is, but maybe next week we'll find out. <laughs> Do you know what it makes me think of? I've been re as you know, Rich, I've been rewatching It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia and there's an episode called The Nightman Cometh where they do a musical and uh that Charlie writes. And like Dennis pulls out a gun and Frank's like, What what's that? And he's like, You know what it is, bitch. <laughs> just like the way that he says it, I'm like, that just makes me think of that chat. Well, hopefully next week we will know what it is. Speaking of awards and rewards, we would love to reward you for leaving us a review because we love reviews and we need them to do good at stuff. So the way that we are planning to reward you is that if you send us a screenshot of your review in an email, that will count as an entry into a prize draw. When we get 50 of those precious, precious reviews, we will pull 10 names out of a hat and those 10 people will get some super fun HTM pod bookmarks and one special person will get an up-to-date sticker and bookmark merch pack with all the like season stickers and stuff, with all the artwork. It's exciting. Woo! Please leave us reviews because we like them and we need them (laughs) yes please give us five stars say nice things tell a friend about us uh tell us that you like us we we appreciate the feedback don't say nasty things we don't hear that you know what (laughs) while we were away we had some really nice reviews in and it was a really fun thing to just like be in the car with you or be in the same room as you and be like oh my god we just got a review and it was really nice (laughs) one of my favorite views we ever we ever got and i'm so sorry i cannot remember the person's name that left it as their like subject line of the review was immaculate vibes became a theme for the holiday (laughs) it did it did so thank you to that person because that review and the things that you wrote in your email as well were great we really loved reading that if that could not that that deserves to be emblazoned on a t-shirt if nothing else does oh yeah hdm pod immaculate Immaculate vibes i am gonna find out who that was sam that is the name of the person that left us the immaculate vibes review thank you you so much (laughs) Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Her Dark Materials. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at HDMPod. And you can email us at herdarkmaterialspod at gmail.com. You can also visit our website at hdmpod.co.uk. If you want to support us, you can become a patron at patreon.com forward slash hdmpod. We also have a shop where you can buy merch featuring all original artwork from Rich. You can find it at hdmpod.co.uk forward slash shop. I'm Faye, and when I'm not talking about Lyra and Will, you can find me talking about Paramore on my other podcast, Still Into You. You can listen wherever you get your podcasts and find us on Twitter and Instagram at Still Into You Pod. I'm Rachel, and when I'm not here putting out immaculate vibes, I am making cute and magical arty things. You can find me over on Instagram at RachMakes, on Twitter and TikTok at Rach underscore Makes, and over in my online shop, RachMakes.co.uk. 
A huge thanks as always to Johnny Knott for his musical stylings. And we'll see you in two weeks' time. And don't forget, keep telling stories and all will be well. Oh my god, they've never been more immaculate. You know who has immaculate vibes? Mrs. Coulter, but not in yeah. this chapter. Oh my god. No, no. <laughs> yes, immaculate vibes. Bye. Immaculate bye. The longest <laughs> the longest goodbye <laughs> <Sorry>. ever. <laughs> bye. Bye.